13-year-old Adam has made a lot of mistakes in his life, but this has to be the biggest. Thanks to a massive fight with his little brother Callum, the mysterious and magical computer algorithm Popularis Incrementum has exploded and accidentally transported them to a completely different dimension. One where they were never born and the internet doesn't exist and neither does any of the technology they know and love. Will the brothers survive in this strange altiverse where everything is the same but different? Can they stop an evil villain from sabotaging their dad's world-changing technology when in this universe their dad doesn't even know who they are? And most importantly of all, will they ever find a way back home? Adam Destroys the Internet is out now in paperback. Available from your local Waterstones or online at Waterstones. Hey, it's Dad, and this is Fun Kids Meets, the podcast where we meet your heroes. Now, the other day, I caught up with Annie Critcher from the National Ignition Facility. She's here to tell us all about nuclear fusion. That's how the sun makes its energy. We're talking about energy of the future and how it's all coming about. Dr. Annie Critcher is a physicist from Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. They join us now. Annie, thank you for being there. Yeah, thanks for having me. We are dialing in to sunny California right now, so I thank you very much. Just let's start off by starting at the basics, although I don't know if we can call it the basics. Just what is nuclear fusion? I can describe fusion and also in the context of fission, which is what people generally think of when when we refer to nuclear energy. So these are ways that we can harness energy from the nucleus of atoms, uh, which can be a very significant source of of energy output. So if we can do that, um, it can be very beneficial. So you all know that atoms are made up of protons and neutrons in a core called the nucleus surrounded by swirling electrons. Um, And first off, fission, which is what we currently are using in our nuclear power plants, is when we have a really heavy nucleus, so lots of those protons and neutrons, and it's a little bit unstable. And then once we feed it a a particle like a neutron, it immediately uh, becomes more unstable and splits apart into two smaller pieces. And that's how we get energy uh, from fission. Fusion, uh, on the other hand, is when we smash two light nuclei with much less protons and neutrons, we smash those together and they combine into a a heavier nucleus, which is how we release the energy that way. Um, And the fuel that we use is made up of forms of hydrogen, which is all over the earth and also inside of your body. Um, And so the main challenge here when we're trying to do fusion uh, compared to what we're doing currently, which is fission, So the main challenge here is we need really, really hot temperatures to do this. The nuclei have to be hotter than the center of the sun. And this is because we're, we're, we're trying to get um, these two hydrogens, which are both positively charged, uh, they each have one proton. We're trying to get them close enough together to overcome the electrostatic repulsion. So as you know, what do two positive uh, charges try to do? They try to repel each other. And so we're trying to get them close enough that the strong force of the nuclear reaction takes over and that they can fuse together. And that's only doable under extreme temperatures. That's correct. So, wow, it's a lot to get your head around. The the shortened version, I guess, is fission. Nuclear fission is when you are cracking open uh, a a nucleus and Uh fusion is when you are smashing them together to make something brand new. That's correct. So 
Here's the thing, and I know we're getting into like deep physics, Einstein territory, and we're here to talk about something slightly different. I'm just curious. When you crack open a nucleus and it has this massive expulsion of energy, do you know why that happens? Do we know how this tiny thing can contain so much energy yet? Yeah, there's there's the strong nuclear force that binds these protons and uh, neutrons together is is amazing. And when we take specific, very heavy nuclei and split them apart, the two pieces uh, that we split apart have slightly less mass than than the initial um, larger nucleus that we split apart. And that slight change in mass um, is converted to energy through Einstein's equation, E equals mc squared. But you know E equals mc squared, so this is, and we will get to what you've been making, I'm just interested. E energy equals mass times the square of the speed of light. Is that accurate? As in, if you times... That is accurate, As in, yes. that really happens? <laughs> or is, I thought it was just a way of summing up a, a gargantuan figure. But actually, if you times mass by the value for the speed of light, you get the energy. That perfectly works out. That's correct. That's like magic, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Our hero, Einstein. This guy figured it out like... A hundred years ago, just put it all together. Right, anyway, we've heard that breaking open those tiny little things uh, can release a huge amount of energy. And we've been trying to figure out for a while a way of harnessing that energy for something good, not just using it to destroy and for destruction all around the world. How have you been working on it? What types of experiments have you been doing to try and make energy with nuclear fusion? Um, yeah, so the breakthrough at NIF and kind of what we're doing at NIF, um, it's the first time that we've been able to get more fusion energy out than we needed to put into it to make the fusion. And so we make a little sun in the lab. We do this by using giant lasers. Uh, we shine those onto our target and that heats and squeezes the fuel until we can get to these crazy star conditions and it happens for a, a very short period of time and we, we get our little burst of fusion energy out. You say that you had never been able to make this work before. You had never been able to get more energy than you've put into it and it would be pointless trying to have an energy source that could power parts of the world when you've got to use more energy than you would get out. That would be stupid. So you finally managed to make it work. <laughs> what was the little change that you did? What what was the, the the tiny thing that you tweaked that suddenly made all of your experiments fall into place? It's it's actually, I guess, if you compare it to the last attempt, you could think of the change. Um, it was sort of a tweak on the last attempt. The scientific process is that we start out and we, we try something and it just doesn't work completely. And we have our uh, our like cameras on the thing, and we can see what's going on with with this little tiny star, and we can try to figure out why it's not lighting up. So we take these giant laser beams, we hit a can, the inside of a can, we create a really hot oven inside of that can, and that hot oven is what causes the fuel to kind of to implode first. So like an implosion, like a collapsing star or something, and then an explosion. Optimize the system so much that when you implode, you get to just the right conditions um, so that it lights itself, so that it self-sustains itself and takes over. And, and that's how you get um, 
the types of energies out that we're getting now. So this really hot star doesn't want to stay hot for very long. It wants to cool itself off very rapidly. What we did in this uh, last attempt is made a change to the how symmetrically we can drive this capsule in. So we're trying to take something the size, think of the size of a basketball, and we're trying to squeeze it down to the size of a pea. It's, it's very difficult to do too because you have these laser beams coming into the target and there's plasma all over the place. And so you had to get this oven to be very, very uniform in temperature. So we made changes to the oven to try to get it more uniform so that we could drive this basketball down to the size of the pea and keep it looking like a sphere. You know, a few other tweaks here and there help to keep it more stable. We, we uh, struggle a lot with different sorts of like fluid uh, instabilities, kind of like when you, you drop um, oil into water if you, or you have a flow going on, you can see that there's some sort of swirling or instabilities. And so we're trying to control that as this is all going on. And so we made another uh, tweak to help improve that. And all these things are just uh, with the intent to, how can we get the plasma happy enough that it can take over and burn up the fuel before it explodes? Wow. Uh, it's amazing. So much stuff. I like the bit when you talk, the bit, the bit when you talked about the basketball to a pea with massive laser beams really did resonate with me. Listen, so this is an incredible thing that you've done. Uh, a world first. The hope is, is that it will, ch it will change the future. I guess lastly, Annie, how do you think it will do that? How will we take what you have done in incredible labs with brilliant equipment, laser beams, how will we take that and use it to try and perhaps create energy for the world? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, we do have quite a long ways to go. Um, at, at the place where I work, it's a, a basic research facility. So we're not trying to create energy here. We're trying to just get to the right um, conditions that we can study these plasmas and figure out um, figure out ways to potentially use this in the future. Um, so a lot of development needs to happen for the laser architect to make the laser more efficient so that we don't need to pull as much energy off the grid to get the laser energy that we put onto the target. That's that's one uh, huge savings. And, and also being able to fire the laser very rapidly so we can do um, many of these little implosion explosions, these little stars uh, very consistently so we would pulse them. Um, we need target development to make the targets cost effective. Um, we need other engineering development to sort of get to be able to do this at a higher repetition rate is one of the biggest things. Another thing that we're going to continue to work on at the lab here in the research facility is can we increase the fusion energy out even more for a specific amount of laser energy in? So can we get the, the margin to get more out versus in? Can we get that up higher? Because that will help a, a reactor design. Um, and we'll also use uh, the plasmas we're creating, the stars we're creating in the lab right now. Um, we can study them. We can push them, prod them, squeeze them, dud them, and we can figure out where are the sensitivities so that we can make a future uh, 
a future plant more robust and and working more properly. There's also a variety of different ways to do this, to create these plasmas. And this is a proof of principle that it can be done. There's nothing really fundamentally limiting us. And so um, now we can take some of the other concepts that might be better suited for a reactor and see, do those work in the same way? We can do scaled tests of those here. So there's quite a bit of work that still needs to be done. And there's a lot of investment now in the, the public and private sectors um, and at these research facilities to do this. And so it's the beginning of a long road. Well, we've made the first steps and that's what really really counts it's been a a, a joy it's been a hard to get your head around joy i've enjoyed every second dr annie critcher thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me that was annie critcher thank you so much to annie for coming on our show i loved chatting to her about what nuclear fusion is about how we get energy from the sun and how she contributed to one of the biggest science breakthroughs in years now, if you love this podcast, remember, you can listen to the Fun Kids Science Weekly too for loads of stories about the world of science. We'll get interviews with absolute geniuses and we get to answer some of your science questions too. 13-year-old Adam has made a lot of mistakes in his life, but this has to be the biggest. Thanks to a massive fight with his little brother Callum, the mysterious and magical computer algorithm Popularis Incrementum has exploded and accidentally transported them to a completely different dimension. One where they were never born and the internet doesn't exist and neither does any of the technology they know and love. Will the brothers survive in this strange altiverse where everything is the same but different? Can they stop an evil villain from sabotaging their dad's world-changing technology when in this universe their dad doesn't even know who they are? And most importantly of all, will they ever find a way back home? Adam Destroys the Internet is out now in paperback. Available from your local Waterstones or online at Waterstones.